the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 523 for June 19th, 2016. All the news out of WWDC, Bluetooth 5 is announced, and the OnePlus 3 is available for purchase. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android, iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Well, real quick, sorry for the quality of the sound on show 522 last week. That was an equipment malfunction on my part while I was traveling. Fortunately, though, we do backup recordings each week, so at least we had something to send out. Moving on, kicking off the week, Microsoft on Monday said it has agreed to acquire LinkedIn for $26.2 billion. LinkedIn is a professional networking and employment resource for companies and job seekers. Under the terms of the deal, LinkedIn will retain its brand, culture, and management team, but it will be operated as a separate company. The CEO, Jeff Jeff Weiner, will report directly to CEO of Microsoft, Satya Nadella. Uh, the transaction has been approved by both boards of the companies, but still has to gain approval from shareholders. Uh, both Microsoft and LinkedIn expect the deal to receive those approvals and uh, also the required regulatory approvals, which they expect to happen before the end of 2016. So obviously this is a play for the kind of the uh, tying in the, 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 the mobile person now, the mobile business person where, you know, they've got Office 365 where it's, it's kind of disconnected companies from having physical servers. And uh, they also have a, a, you know, big presence with their CRM dynamics uh, package that they bought uh, a bunch of years ago. And of course, this is going to be going up against Salesforce.com, which of course was one of the other bidders for LinkedIn. And uh, Microsoft was just able to, uh, to, you know, beat out their bid for uh, LinkedIn. Of course, I know it's, uh, you know, LinkedIn is now just basically essential for business these days. Uh, It is. And uh, I use it quite a bit. Uh, Every business card that I scan, um, I I basically check that business card against the LinkedIn database. And if it finds that particular person, then I do a connection right away as soon as I essentially have met somebody. Uh, So I find it to be a very nice way to to stay in touch with what's going on with all of your contacts. And uh, um, I actually find a lot more value out of it than I do out of something like a Facebook. Uh, But I also feel like it's uh, it's one of those things that also can help you to to find a job or to be found if uh, you happen to be in an industry where you've got headhunters that are using tools like this for for purposes of finding uh, for finding job uh, job seekers and so it is a very interesting thing that Microsoft is now the owner of it and uh, we'll see if that changes anything my guess is not but uh, certainly there always is that chance that something could happen next up Apple had the most of the headlines this week uh, the worldwide developers conference kicked off on Monday there is a keynote presentation in San Francisco First up in the presentation, Apple Watch. Apple announcing WatchOS 3.0, an upcoming update that will provide speed and usability improvements, including apps that will launch instantly when you click on them. Further apps will update quickly, uh, both in the background and when launched, so they display new content as soon as they're opened. The UI includes a new dock access that is by the side button and a new control center accessed by sliding up from the bottom of the screen. Yes, that means no more glances. Uh, These new tools make it simpler to access applications and control toggles. Replying to messages offers new options, including smart replies and scribbling directly on the screen. This is really nice. You don't have to use Siri to respond on your watch. You can now literally write out something 
something kind of a la the old palm interface with graffiti. WatchOS also makes it easier to switch and change watch faces, initiate workouts, and access notifications. It also adds an SOS function that will automatically call 911 with the long press of a button in times of need. And then when the call concludes, it will alert emergency contacts, complete with medical stats and a map about the wearer's location. The revised platform allows users to share fitness data throughout the day, a la how Fitbit allows people to see each other's step counts and other progress. The company worked with directly as well with disability fitness organizations, so wheelchair-bound Apple Watch owners can also track their activity as well. WatchOS 3.0 will be available to the Apple Watch later this year. Yeah, I thought it was neat that they also have a, a kind of a medical ID uh, information screen as well that's available. So you don't need to wear a medical ID bracelet uh, as required either for some people that have certain things. So it also can act as that, uh, which is neat. But, uh, you know, the changes in the Apple Watch, while they're not significant, they're you know, they're earth shattering significant because they're, they're usability improvements that really should have been there from the beginning. But, uh, you know, they've, they've got them uh, coming. And it's really going to make the interface much, uh, much clear, cleaner and and make sense to use. Because right now, it, 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 things are all over the place and it's so bizarre. Uh, I don't know what they were thinking uh, for the most part on, on how to launch amps, apps and how long it takes and to find, you know, the, the, the glances and now actually have a dedicated control. Panel. Just, just uh, all around huge change. Well, and it kind of is going to be a recurring theme as we talk through a lot of these. Uh, the keynote really didn't do justice what all they're doing with the new watch os3 and so if you go in and you find uh, whether it's nine to five mac or some of the other sites that have actually gone through and done detailed video uh, reviews of the latest things that are out in the betas for these OSs, you're going to see just the the vast number of improvements. And, um, you know, a lot of this is is interesting. And if you've seen the videos, as I'm kind of talking through some of these things, you'll understand them. Some of them may seem a little bit obscure, but uh, ultimately, I think a lot of them make a lot of sense. And it's going to be a really a nice uh, update, especially as we move into what I'm assuming is going to be the season of a brand new watch. The hardware that is out there today uh, is still going to be able to run watchOS 3. It's going to run it very well. Um, Joey and I were we were texting earlier and I was saying, you know, it's probably um, going to be at the expense a little bit of the battery of the watch, which actually I'm not, you know, too up. Uh, concerned or upset about just because I feel like uh, I end most of my days at 50%. Uh, and so I don't really have an issue with it. I mean, today, I guess it's, it's a weekend, so I'm not hardly using it, but I'm still at 71%. So I could use it. Uh, you could use a little bit more of the battery if it's going to provide for a better experience for sure. Um, you know, I love the, all the things that they've changed uh, around with it as well, as far as like different types of complications that you can add, whether it's a shortcut to an app, uh, being able to launch, uh, directly from the home screen, mail and messages is going to be game changing for me on how I use this. Absolutely. And then of course, even the, 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 the reply uh, option is on the screen so you don't have to hit three buttons to, to reply to a message uh, like a text message so just yeah tons of tons of improvements that will really help uh, the the interface yeah and I I absolutely feel like this is going to be what kind of sets uh, the Apple watch uh, you know you know sets it a uh, in motion for actually being something that that makes more sense to people and I think you know this to me is very reminiscent of and I don't remember which OS it was if it was iOS 3 or 4 but we got to a point um, you know a couple of generations in where all of a sudden they said yes you can do copy and paste and it was like okay so i get yeah now we can this is actually viable and i feel like that's kind of what this is going to be for the watch so um a lot to uh a lot to love about what they're going to be doing with that 
Next up, it was all about the Apple TV. To start, Apple is refreshing the Apple TV remote application so it mirrors the tools and functions that are available to the Siri remote for Apple TV 4. This will allow iPhone owners to access Siri and the same navigation functions directly on their handset. Siri has been improved for tvOS 2. So, for example, Siri can now search for movies via category. Siri can also be used to search through YouTube for videos via keyword. And the new build of tvOS solves a major pain point for Apple TV users, signing into cable-based apps and television stations. The refreshed tvOS will provide a single sign-on process, allowing people to register with their cable TV provider once and then automatically access all cable-controlled content in any app on the tvOS. Apple is releasing new tools for developers, too, such as Replay Kit for streaming and recording games and Photo Kit for better photo and video management. The developer preview of tvOS is available, of course, starting this week with release this fall. I'm uh, you know, somewhat tempted to, uh, to get a new Apple TV. I do have one Apple TV here, and I do use it uh, fairly frequently these days, especially for Netflix and airplaying uh, uh, Amazon Prime video. Uh, but the, the, the new one is kind of tempting, and it's, I mean, it's a little pricey, but not too bad for what you're getting. And uh, depending on how you buy it, uh, there are you know, things out there that could help you lower the cost of it. So if you're trying to cut the cord, Sling TV has got a very interesting offer out there where uh, they just now this week finally got their app onto Apple TV so you can watch live TV over the Sling TV service. And I think they're offering the, the new Apple TV for like 89 bucks if you sign up for three months of service, which is like they're 60 or it's 20 bucks a month. So it'd be $60 that you have to pay for that. But anyway, uh, there's there's a, a good number of, uh, of other services that are on there as well as far as apps and stuff. But I just, uh, for what I use it for, I mean, really it's, it's a Netflix player and it is uh, a major league base ball application player and that's about the extent of what i use it for and so you don't really need the new version right unless they've got the split screen i can't remember if that was the the mlb thing if they've got multiple games at once if that's coming or if that was something else but there was some uh i think there was some improvements there but uh the the upgrade would be nice for the speed improvement i have uh i have used the new apple tv and it, it, it does run through the apps a lot quicker and just in the navigation is uh, much, uh, much faster and kind of makes more sense. And, you know, I use the Apple TV a lot for that CBSN, the, the streaming uh, news service on there. And then also it's great for the PBS app as well. So uh, the Apple TV is pretty nice. Yeah, in, indeed it is. And uh, I guess I just don't have enough places where I want to have a screen that I don't have my iPad, right? And so, um, you know, I, I, I have one TV and that's got the Apple TV on it. And so if I, I guess I could, it's only, you know, 50 bucks or 60 bucks or whatever they charge for them today. So it's not like it's, I'm out that much money, but um, you know, I, I just, I don't see a lot of, I, 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 I'm just not that big of a TV watcher. I guess that's what it comes down to. So uh, anyway, but some great improvements uh, all around for the Apple TV as well. Then it was on to the desktop. Apple says the next version of desktop, uh, the desktop operating system will be renamed now known as Mac OS. It will also work better with iPhones and iPads. No surprise there. Apple has made improvements to its continuity feature. So it's easier to pass stuff between iPhones and Mac. So for example, there's now a universal clipboard allowing you to paste copied text uh, from an iPhone onto a text field on a Mac computer. Changes to iCloud will also give people more free storage up to 150 gigabytes, which Apple believes will allow people to sync more personal files and content between Mac and iOS devices. Mac OS will also take advantage of Apple Pay, which will soon be available across the web. It will allow iPhone owners to verify purchases via Touch ID on their smartphones or on their Apple Watches. Uh, Apple says a large number of online retailers are prepared to add Apple Pay support to their sites. 
Other new features added to macOS Sierra include tabbed apps, picture-in-picture support for online videos, and Siri. Siri is accessible directly from the dock, which includes search history and saveable results that can be shared with others. Siri is able to handle many of the same tasks as it can on the iPhone, such as searches, sending messages, and setting reminders. MacOS Sierra is available to developers now, and a public beta will launch in July, and general availability released uh, this fall. Another feature uh, that they had that seemed uh, very neat for people with uh, Apple Watches and a Mac, that it will unlock your Mac as soon as you approach your Mac uh, with your Apple Watch. So you do not have to uh, actually type your password in. And as they showed in the keynote, you know, you type it in once, type it in again, then it, you know, jiggles around because you typed it wrong because it has to be, you know, 10 characters with numbers in it. Uh, That will be a really nice feature. It will. And, you know, I think uh, as they have done all these great things on the mobile side, it's nice for those of us that are using Macs on the desktop side, um, you know, to, to see some of the, the great things that I think both of the teams for the mobile hardware and, let's say, the traditional desktop hardware have kind of started to share back and forth with each other. And uh, it just kind of further solidifies the, you know, the desktop experience as, as one that is as good as you get when you, uh, you know, as you can possibly get. And, which is generally how I feel about the iPhone as well. And it's about as good as you can get on the mobile side. So it is nice that uh, that they're able to do this. And some of these features, I, I'm, I'm still a little obscure uh, and not quite sure about. Uh, it seems obscure to me, that is. And so I've got to watch. I, again, there's tons of videos out there of people that have done reviews about these. So I've got to learn a little bit more about it. Right. Because on uh, macOS and watchOS, they've, they've, there wasn't like, you know, here's one big feature we're doing. There was There's almost like literally hundreds of changes they made in these uh, versions of the OSs. So there's there's lots of little things they've done, and it, it you know it's hard to describe it here because we'd take an hour to describe just what you know little changes they've made. Yeah, but it, it, the the long and the short of it is is that there's a lot to love about the desktop side as well. But here's what you're all here to listen about: the talk then finally turned over to mobile, and Apple announcing an entirely new version of Apple Music to kick it off. They said they've redesigned the app from the ground up to improve the user experience, including new navigation tools, bigger buttons, richer artwork, and more functional playback controls. Users will be able to find locally stored music much quicker, searching for new artists and sharing playlists also with ease. Apple says Apple Radio will include more stations that are simpler to search through and listen to. The new Apple Music will be available to all of the Mac devices, such as iPhones, iPods, iPads, and desktops, as well as Android devices here in the next couple of months. Then on to Apple Home, a new app based on HomeKit will help control connected devices around the home. Apple Home will work with any HomeKit compatible gear so people can adjust lights, open garage doors, and adjust the thermostat, even interacting with video doorbell applications. Apple Home will be part of iOS 10 and should be available this fall. Finally, Apple showed off iOS 10, what it calls the biggest release of iOS ever for both end users and developers. So to start, the platform changes the lock screen, making it easier to access the camera, notifications, control center, and widgets. There's a shake-to-wake feature that lets people turn on their phone by shaking it as they raise it up. Widgets have gained the power to show dynamic content, including live video directly from the widget. Many of the improvements center uh, improvements center around 3D touch functionality, which will be only available to the newer iPhones, though some of the functions will certainly translate over to non-3D touch devices as well. 
Siri on iOS 10 will be much more advanced because Apple is opening up Siri to developers. So it has been part of the iOS ecosystem for a few years, but third-party developers can now finally access and add Siri to their own apps. So for example, in WeChat, you can uh, users will be able to say, hey Siri, send a WeChat message to mom, and it will automatically pop up a message and allow you to start dictating what you want to send. Some of the apps prepared to add Siri include Snapchat, Shutterfly, uh, my or Map My Run, Runkeeper, Runtastic, Square Cash, Vonage, Skype, and others. Apple didn't provide specifics about how the APIs uh, would be involved, but Siri can handle follow-up questions as well as understanding a conversation thread better than before. All of the Siri features will be available to iOS and macOS devices as well as through CarPlay later this year. Then the QuickType keyboard got some updates uh, supporting current location, contact information, calendar availability, and more iOS 10 also made changes to photos, including better organization based on location data. Photos adds advanced visual calculations, meaning the app can automatically find and organize photos based on faces, objects, and even scene recognition. Apple uses new uh, AI to cluster photos related uh, to based on those different uh, characteristics. And Apple says a new user interface makes the collections easy and engaging to use. Photos gains new editing tools so people can add filters and to photo and video galleries. Uh, they will see a design refresh as well as adding simpler search tools in those regards. Navigation has been simplified, so it's quicker to understand and access route details, such as gas stations and restaurants. Apple is opening up maps as well to third-party developers, so you can add extensions to maps and book reservations or hail Uber cabs. iOS 10 features a new version uh, features a new version of Apple Music uh, that will also tie into this as well. Then there's Apple News, which has been refreshed to include a new design, subscription, and breaking news alerts. iOS 10 adds an app. Uh, adds this app in uh, obviously in a kind of the form that I think we've all really wanted and it's a much better news reader than uh, it had been in the past. Also the revised platform from Apple also now plays better with voice over IP apps permitting incoming calls to reach any app uh, on any app to reach a lock screen. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Uh, and finally, uh, iMessage uh, gains rich links so users can see previews of links directly in iMessage. It works better with the camera as well. Emoji will appear three times bigger in conversations. The keyboard can predict which emoji fits best in the conversation, meaning you can type out a sentence and then emojify, as they say, uh, your message. Uh, Apple also previewing iOS 10 to developers this week. Public beta, beta coming soon. Final release this fall. Now, the version iOS 10 will be compatible with all versions of the iPhone from 2012 uh, in the iPhone 5 through the 2016 iPhone SE. The iPhone 4S and older models will not be able to run iOS 10. Similarly, iOS 10 will not run on models of the iPad uh, that are prior to the 2013 iPad Mini 2. Uh, so the original iPad, iPad 2, iPad 3, and original iPad Mini will not be able to run it. So only the 6th generation iPod then is thusly compatible with iOS 10. Which means it's excluding all the devices that are running the A5 processor. So that's really kind of what's uh, what the cutoff is. Okay, so which uh, that I guess that would have been well 2012, right? Mid 2012 right. is when when that one came out. So there you go. Uh, a few other tidbits to note: Apple is removing a number of its own core applications out of iOS uh, and making them available in the iTunes App Store. So what this actually means is that apps such as FaceTime and Mail, made by Apple, which only received updates once a year, will now be able to be updated as needed, but can be hidden by the user as well. 
No, I actually don't think that's necessarily true. I think it's just literally the shortcut is going to be in the app store. It's the, the data. All the apps are still there. You can, you're not actually deleting the app, and I don't know if they can be updated. No, no, no I'm not. Say, I, that's that's what I'm saying. They're not. You're not removing them from the phone. You're just hiding right. them. What I'm saying though is they're removing them out of the core of the operating system, so they can be updated directly through the iTunes app store, right? So they're they're saying you can update these now separately. I think hmm, that well that, that that's the way it used to be for some of the apps like podcasts used to be in the app store and and of course my iTunes uh, now that they've kind of done some of the preview changes now is showing me update my podcast app but I can't do it because it's it's failing because it's it's still part of the, and it it tells me you must do this through iOS to have this update so it's a uh, uh, they've got a little bit of work to do there. Well, either way, you've got here's the apps that you'll be able to hide on the device. They include um, calculator, calendar, compass, contacts, FaceTime, iCloud Drive. Mail, maps, music, notes, podcast reminders, stocks, tips, videos, voice memos, watch, and weather. I know I'll be hiding a lot of those as soon as this is available. Um, they did the same with a handful of iPad apps as well. Uh, and again, you're not removing them. You're just hiding them. But you do go through the App Store to, quote unquote, reinstall them. But it's really just unhiding the application versus actually reinstalling it. Apple also took steps to improve the privacy in iOS 10. They added a number of tools to help protect users. So with iMessage, FaceTime, and HomeKit, they will use end-to-end encryption, meaning data is unreadable by anyone other than the sender and recipient. They also uh, said uh, this, uh, one of iOS 10's best new features is the revamped version of Photos, which, of course, we talked about using that artificial intelligence. Um, and they've also adopted differential privacy, which allows Apple to analyze usage patterns of large groups of iPad and iPhone owners without providing Apple with any individually identifying factors. This differential privacy will help with the quick type keyboard, spotlight link suggestions, and look up hints and notes, etc. cetera. Uh, but it also, uh, they will allow uh, Apple to collect useful and shareable data that can't be tied to any one person. Uh, Apple also showed off a new version of iMessage. We talked about it being reminiscent to Snapchat uh, or Facebook Messenger, the emojification and whatnot. Um, but the, the fact that it's now open to third-party developers, I think, is one of the more interesting things about this. Uh, where you can do different things by adding different extensions um, and uh, d- different pieces of, of applications into iMessage. Um, and so you'll be able to do all sorts of different things in, in messages that you were never able to do before. So I think that I, I think iMessage is really going to be one of the things that people notice most in the new OS. Yeah, I use iMessage a lot on the device. I mean, that's really something I use probably a vast majority of the time, probably 75% of the time I, I'm on the iPhone, I'm using iMessage and all these changes. Uh, while a lot of them are, are kooky and weird, there's a lot of actually, you know, good usable features that will be nice to have. And, and I'm surprised some of them didn't get introduced in iOS 9 because, you know, when they introduced iOS 7 and iOS, you know, when they originally introduced iOS, uh, iMessage, they really have done nothing to it. And one little feature that I saw in the keynote about iMessage for the iPhone is finally it's going to show the person's, you know, picture at the top of the screen that you're uh, who you're messaging with. It, it, it shows it in the list of uh, in the list of messages, uh, but not in the actual thread. There will be a picture up at the top uh, uh, of the on, in the thread that you're in. So finally, to have that uh, functionality there really helps because it's quicker to visualize who you're talking to than just the name that's typed out. Well, I got to tell you too. I mean, I, I I regularly have sent messages to people that I didn't mean to. Unfortunately, it's never been you know detrimental, but uh, you know certainly you're you're flipping through and you're 
trying to send off a message really quick to somebody and you may have chosen the wrong thread. In fact, I had one up today and I was typing it out to somebody and uh, it was the, the, the name started with the same letter, but it was the wrong person. So uh, I, I totally agree with you. I love that there. We're going to see the picture there. You can also set now individual uh, red receipts um, can be sent. So certain people you can have them sent to and others you can just have it not sent, which I know, um, you know, for certain in certain regards, I think that's that's kind of a nice thing. So um, anyway, so that's that's iMessage. Then there's the wake alarm. A new bedtime tab has been added to the clock application with a wake alarm function that can help you go to sleep and wake up at the same time every day. So when it's enabled, the recurring wake up alarm will remind you when it's time to sleep, track how many hours you slept, and also provide detailed sleep analysis, they say. Um, then there's Game Center. It's actually been removed. It's still a, a section in settings that you can add, but it's not an actual application anymore. Uh, there's also uh, the ability to avo- avoid tolls. Uh, you can toggle that on in Apple Maps. That's something, of course, that's been in Google Maps for a long time. Control Center now supports 3D Touch. It's kind of nice. Uh, settings has a new 3D Touch shortcut for cellular data. Tweaked uh, back to icon in the status bar. It's a little bit thinner. Uh, also, Safari now supports split-screen view, meaning by holding down a URL link in Safari, you can now have it open up a new browser next to the one you're looking at. Not a traditional the slide-over app picker that we're used to on the iPad, but um, you still have a, a good alternative here for having two browsers up side-by-side. I cannot tell you how many times I've really wanted to do this, and so I'm really glad to see that they've got this coming. Yeah, especially when you have uh, when you want to research, you know, copy and paste data between two things like an email application or something like that. It, to me, I, I think I'll be using that uh, maybe not frequently, but I will definitely be using it. Certainly. Uh, speaking of Safari, you can now get unlimited tabs. You can also close all tabs by selecting the tab viewer and closing all. In mail on the 12.9 inch iPad Pro, there's now a new three column view similar to the desktop. Also, threaded conversations have a new look. You can now choose to organize emails by thread or turn it off if you don't want to. That's an interesting uh, choice. Uh, And also, you can have the most recent message at the top or the bottom of the mail app. Also, unsubscribe is now built into mail, allowing you to click once and then subscribe to those unwanted emails. Now, if you're a developer, Apple announced Swift Playgrounds. This is an app targeted to help kids learn how to code using Swift. Swift, a newer iOS programming language Apple introduced last year, and the Swift Playground application is available to the the iPad. It pairs instructions with actions to help kids see and code uh, with uh, how, and how their code generates vis- uh, viewable actions. Lessons are presented in a series and they can be consumed at will. It includes code libraries to easily insert code or set repeat actions, for example, and it works with I- the iOS SDK and can handle more advanced coding as well. It looked very neat. It uh, reminds me of the logo with the turtle that we had back when we were kids, Mickey, when you typed in, you know, move 10 forward, you know, and that's kind of what the demonstration was showing, but it uh, gives you the, the actual, you know, programming with for loops and while loops, kind of the, the, the basic heart of actual programming, but do it visually and do it uh, kind of in a drag and drop manner. It will be part of the iOS 10 developer beta uh, as an FYI for those that are looking to get in on that, uh, but it will then be available to the public iOS 10 beta in July, so you can wait until next month and get it on there if you want to try that, and available to everybody in the App Store in September. So this is this is really cool that they're going to have this, and you know, obviously Apple's trying to help plan for the future and uh, you know get people involved at a very early age or uh, just getting more people involved in, in how the programming can work here and, and at least get people thinking about it. And they also want to sell iPads to schools as well. So this is a great way to do that by offering free educational software that all you need is an iPad to run. Yes, it's like, you know, buying a car to get a, uh, you know, a 
uh, a cigarette lighter or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's 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 the high tech feature you really need a car for. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, so anyway, so those were the major announcements. Uh, but there's one thing that didn't get a lot of coverage, uh, which was voice calling. I mentioned it earlier, but uh, here's the thing: iOS 10 is changing the way that the iPhone traditionally has handled phone calls uh, and opens up ways for people to make calls on their iPhones through a new call kit API. So here's the here's what's happening. So starting this fall. Apps uh, that offer voice calls using voice over IP protocols such as Skype, WhatsApp, or Facebook Messenger are going to be treated the same on the operating system level as, say, FaceTime audio or a regular phone voice call. So, meaning an incoming call from WhatsApp uh, will appear on the lock screen this exact same way that a phone call or FaceTime audio call does today. Also, these calls will be logged in the phone application with a small notation saying that they were, weren't done by a traditional, calling, uh, traditional call. And then you're also going to be able to specify third-party VoIP applications for favorite callers, whether it be a phone call, WhatsApp, audio call, FaceTime audio call, etc. So um, uh, it's really a nice thing to be able to do to go into, uh, you'll be able to go into the phone app, go into favorites, and say, I want to call someone via Skype, and it'll, it'll allow you to do that there. So... This is not only a change that's good for those who want to make calls uh, with, uh, you know, something other than the phone app, but also for those that want to get away from traditional phone phone calling completely. So think about the number of services that are out there that now integrate phone numbers with voice over IP and, and just how possible it's going to be to really just have a data only plan and it be able to easily handle incoming outgoing calls. And further, if you, you take this kind of and extrapolate it out, depending on what you actually do, you, what you do and how you need to make calls, um, the amount of Wi-Fi out there could actually make it possible for you to ditch your carrier altogether and just use one of these voice over IP services. Uh, you know, you're not going to have coverage all the time, of course, but maybe you don't need to have coverage, you know, when you're driving down the road to make phone calls. You, say you make most of your calls or all your calls when you're in a static location or uh, perhaps somewhere that you can get Wi-Fi. Um, and, and think about, too, if you happen to have an LTE-enabled iPad, certainly that's a cheaper option and you say that's what I use to primarily stay connected, you can tether that over to your phone and then get your phone calling uh, through the data in that regard. So if you decide to stick with f- a phone calling on the phone, uh, you know, it, it's obviously something that's not going away. But uh, the, the last piece of this was voicemails are now transcribed. So you can actually read the message versus having to listen to it. Yeah, and that's a really neat feature. I love that. That's one of the reasons I still use Google Voice for uh, voicemail. I, I, you know, because the, the transcript, uh, transcript of the the voice message. Because I hardly listen to them. Uh, one thing that, uh, of course, this, uh, you know, this uh, integration of the dialer apps, which would be great for, would be Google Voice, of course. Where even though it uses a traditional dialer, it'd be nice to be the dialer to be integrated in the typical phone dialer. So it could use Google Voice as that option. So that'd be pretty neat as well. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I'm thinking about this, how this is actually going to work, because Google Voice is just an app that kind of just, you know, launches into a phone call that comes into you, right? Or it actually goes, or does it go out? It does. It goes, it does, it makes an outgoing call through a, um, through a, a service number, access number uh, that they, that they define. And then based on your caller ID and then the number you're calling it, it can figure it out and transcribe the number and, and do its magic. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a little, um, it's a, it's a workaround, but either either way it works. Um, I mean, and I and I I still use Google Voice number. Um, I had gotten away from it, and then having moved, I wanted to get a local number, and I didn't want to actually change my main number because I just done that a couple of years ago. And so, um, anyway, so I I I can hopefully will at least see some benefit from this, but I don't think it's going to be as good as I want it to be. It's not like I'm going to be able to go in and ch- it's not I I'm not going to 
dial a number and hit call and it's going to say do you want to like on android do you want to call using phone or call using google voice it's not quite that good so um but either way it's still uh it's still something that's very interesting here and i I, like i said i didn't see a lot of coverage on this but i feel like more and more people are are thinking about this as kind of a a possibility for how they can do things and um it's just going to make it a lot easier now that uh, you don't have to make phone calls as phone calls you can actually make phone calls uh, or voice calls over th- some other service, and it, it'll work out just fine for you. So uh, kind of a neat thing. want to make sure that got some coverage. That's it for Apple stuff here. In other news this week, the U.S. Court of Appeals in the District of Columbia upheld the FCC's 2015 net neutrality rules decision. It uh, came from a three-judge panel in a two-to-one vote, and it's a major victory for the FCC and a blow to Internet companies such as AT&T and Verizon. Internet service providers and others argue the FCC doesn't have the authority to establish net neutrality rules, but the appeals court disagreed. The FCC's rules set clear guidelines on how Internet providers are allowed to treat their data that flows across networks. The basics uh, prevent Internet providers from blocking apps and services, preventing them from throttling data speeds, and preventing them from initiating paid prioritization schemes to give companies preferred service. The rules also reclassify broadband services under Title II of the Communications Act of 1934, which will treat them like common carriers. AT&T, an opponent of the rules, said we have always expected this issue to be decided by the Supreme Court, so we look forward to participating in that appeal. This is definitely something that's good for us uh, consumers. I'm, I'm glad they've uh, done this. I know it's going to go to the Supreme Court, but uh, hopefully uh, hopefully they still uphold uh, the same decision. Well, and at that point, it's going to get some additional attention as well, and that'll be good too, so that some, you know, at least on a mainstream level, you've got some exposure to what's going on with this stuff. Because not everybody, as uh, unfortunately as I would would prefer it to be this way. Not everyone listens to the cell phone junkie and the discussions we have about this stuff. AT&T on Wednesday launched Wi-Fi calling on Android. So starting with the LG G4, customers will be able to make and receive calls and send text messages via Wi-Fi. AT&T said customers with compatible phones will be able to, to will receive a notification once the feature is available to them. A small software update is required. AT&T said Wi-Fi calling is available to customers with postpaid accounts set up for HD voice service. The phone will automatically make calls via Wi-Fi Wi-Fi when it detects limited or no cell coverage. Wi-Fi calls are billed based on the number being called, so AT&T customers can call U.S. numbers via Wi-Fi free of charge when abroad. AT&T said it expects Wi-Fi calling to be available on more Android devices coming soon. Wi-Fi calling has been available to the iPhone since last year. T-Mobile Tuesday added a handful of video services to its Binge On program, bringing the total number of participating services to nearly 90. The additions include uh, Azubu, Daily Motion Games, iGroove, PBS, and PBS Kids. T-Mobile customers can now stream an unlimited amount of content from these services over T-Mobile's LTE network without impacting their monthly data allotment. T-Mobile Wednesday said its prepaid brand MetroPCS will kick off sales of the Samsung Galaxy On 5 later this month. The On 5 is an inexpensive Android smartphone with a 5-inch 720p HD display, 5-megapixel main camera with LED flash, and a 2-megapixel front camera. The On 5 is powered by a quad-core Samsung Exynos processor. Uh, The phone includes a 1.5 gigs of RAM and 8 gigs of storage. It also has a memory card slot, uh, letting users expand to 128 gigs of storage. The phone runs Android 6 Marshmallow with Samsung's TouchWiz user interface, including East Home. Samsung gave the On 5 a 2600 milliamp hour battery. It will be on sale starting June 27th for $59 after a $70 rebate, with T-Mobile selling the phone starting on June 29th for $140 or $5 a month for 24 months. 
T-Mobile CEO John Ledger announced on Twitter Thursday that the free Domino's pizza would no longer be offered as uh, customers as part of the T-Mobile Tuesdays rewards program. Ledger said apparently that T-Mobile Tuesdays apps have been downloaded by more than 2 million customers and effectively had broken Domino's. Well, they had said at stores it was uh, it, it increasing their daily sales by four times up to uh, depending on what uh, you know depending on which store location. So basically, Domino's could not handle it because it was just insanely popular. Yeah, just it's unbelievable, you know. And really, so many customers attempted to take advantage of it because it, it was a free pizza, and um, who doesn't want a free pizza? Uh, except maybe Mickey and last week's show when I said I didn't want free pizza, though. I don't know why I would have ever said that because who doesn't want free pizza? But um, anyway, as a result, Domino's is backing out of this promotion and uh, they'll be not be supplying free pizza to T-Mobile customers on Tuesdays. But to make up for the loss of the free pizza, Ledger says T-Mobile customers will have access to a free Voodoo rental, a free Frosty from Wendy's, $20 in gifts from MLB.com and a free ride on Lyft up to $15. On Tuesday, June 21st, T-Mobile also said there will be other ways for uh, to reward customers now that Domino's is no longer an option. Uh, despite the hiccup, Ledger said the company will continue to thank customers with the free stuff. Yeah, it seems bizarre that the uh, they couldn't have spread out the free pizza coupons where it wouldn't slam everything in one day it, or make it so they're valid, you know, uh, different days of the week and maybe for different people, different time, you know, to make it so it doesn't uh, absolutely overwhelm them. You'd think they would have been able to do that. I guess what they probably didn't either realize or didn't think about was that it's a free pizza. Like you're basically going to be feeding a couple of people. Uh, and so this is not like a free frosty where it's like, oh, yeah, if I'm at Wendy's, like, yeah, maybe I take advantage of that. This is like, no, no, send me my free dinner, you know, and um, and, and and further, John Ledger is a, just a brilliant marketer. And so he got this message out. So it's not like some you know, kind of thing that no one's going to find out about. And then, of course, the Internet takes over and this gets spread like wildfire. Then there you go. Two million people start using it. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and you know, Domino's isn't that bad either. Their sauce is pretty uh, spicy, salty these days. So it's it's not too bad. <laughs> yes. Uh, and new crust, too. Right. If I recall. I think so. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, finally, from T-Mobile, the carrier is said to be working with Facebook to allow the social network to join Binge On, allowing mobile video to be viewed without using a customer's data plan. In exchange for the unlimited video streaming that comes with Binge On, you agree to have the video sent over the network in less than HD quality. This move comes as Facebook is placing increasing emphasis on video and live video in particular. Allowing T-Mobile's users to see the video without affecting their data caps could encourage them to watch more video. And while not being part of the service, uh, could lead customers to watch video from competing services that that are part of Binge On. There could be another benefit for Facebook to joining Binge On. The move might uh, change critics in India and elsewhere who have opposed the company's free basics program where Facebook partners with carriers to offer free access to Facebook and other certain sites in emerging markets. The idea of offering some of the internet, but not all of it, from free has drawn, of course, uh, some net neutrality complaints, but uh, offering Facebook video for free might give the company something similar to point to that it's actually working on and working with in the U.S., uh, though both uh, Facebook and T-Mobile declined to comment about the possibility of this story. Bluetooth's special interest group on Thursday announced a Bluetooth 5. This is the next version of Bluetooth. It's scheduled to launch later this year. The Bluetooth SIG says Bluetooth 5 quadruples the available range, doubles the speed, and improves data broadcasting capacity by 800%. 
So this improved capacity will help Bluetooth transmit richer, more intelligent data to connected devices such as beacons and Internet of Things products. Importantly, Bluetooth 5 will also allow devices to connect and share information without pairing via specific applications. So Bluetooth SIG believes Bluetooth 5 will help companies bring richer, more capable Bluetooth products to wearables, home automation, industrial, commercial, and enterprise markets. I, I love the idea that you're actually starting to see some, uh, you know, some, some great range and speed with this stuff here. And I, one of the things that comes to mind right away is we've got to be able to figure out how to do um, uh, tethering over Bluetooth and not have the limitation uh, that you have with the amount of data that goes over it right now, right? I mean, you're, you're limited to, I, I don't know what the amount is, but it's, it's much less than what you get when you tether over Wi-Fi. It is, yeah, and I can't remember what that uh, data rate. It's like um, t- t- a two megabits two megs, or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 it's something like that. Yeah. So, uh, th- but that's just one example, and probably a pretty obscure one. You know, we're thinking more about like actually streaming video from your phone to your Apple Watch or something like that. As I'm sure more more likely scenarios of what they're going to be touting with this. But uh, either way, it's it's really exciting to see Bluetooth five coming here later this year. In device news, a couple stories. OnePlus on Tuesday announcing its third generation flagship smartphone, the OnePlus three, it features a sleek unibody design milled from a single block of aluminum, measuring seven point three millimeters thick. It's uh, selected a 5.5-inch full HD AMOLED display with thin bezels and dual polarizing layers to help colors remain vivid under bright light. The phone has 16 megapixel uh, on the main camera and a variety of capture modes such as smart capture, auto HDR, and dynamic denoise, which OnePlus claims eliminates noise by merging several images. The camera also includes optical and electronic image stabilization as well as raw image capture. The 8 megapixel selfie camera features a smile capture function to help ease the process of snagging self-portraits. The OnePlus 3 is powered by a 2.2 gigahertz quad-core Snapdragon 820 processor, 6 gigs of RAM, and OnePlus says the ceramic fingerprint sensor can identify prints in 0.2 seconds. The phone adopts OnePlus's dash charge technology, which can give the 3,000 mAh battery 60% of charge in 30 minutes. Uh, the OnePlus 3 runs Oxygen OS, which is based on Android 6 Marshmallow. It also includes off-screen gestures and the ability to customize the hardware and software buttons used to control the user interface. The phone will be sold unlocked with support for a wider number of LTE networks around the world. The OnePlus 3 is available online uh, for $400, no invitation required. So uh, if you're trying to figure out the strategy that OnePlus has, it's basically offering the best hardware that's out there for uh, not the, the highest price. And so hence for $400, you can get something that uh, has a just a, a ton of specs in it, including a Snapdragon 820 processor and, yes, yeah, 6 gigs of RAM. So um, great specs, a great device, solid device. Um, I've, uh, you know, obviously, I, I get really excited when I see stuff like this where you're, you're not tied to one of the major manufacturers that's out there on the Android side, and I think there's going to be a lot of demand for this guy here because 400 bucks for all of this is a pretty solid deal. LG Thursday announcing four new X-branded Android smartphones to fill out its mid-tier range of devices. Uh, Like the X-Cam and the X-Screen announced earlier this year, each of the new X-Phones is a single enhanced feature that defines the device. The X-Power has a 4100 milliamp hour battery with rapid charging for power-hungry users. While the X-Style has a curved design and a slim body, the X-Mock boasts an LTE Cat9 cellular radio, a 1.8 gigahertz processor and a quad HD screen, while the X-Max includes an oversized display for consuming media. 
LG said more details about the new X series, including price and availability, will be shared with, on a market by market basis. The X Power, X Style, X Mock, and X Max will go on sale over around the world very soon. In software news, uh, Netflix, or Apple that is, introduced picture-in-picture for iPads in iOS 9 last year, but only a handful of apps have taken advantage of the new feature. And uh, as iOS 10 was shown off this week, Netflix finally delivered official support for picture-in-picture on iOS 9.3.2 or later. That means you can start a video on the Netflix application on the iPad, close the app, and keep watching the video while you use other apps on the device. Great for browsing the web, watching a video, and keeping an eye on Twitter all at the same time. Picture-in-picture is only supported on the iPad Pro, iPad Air uh, 2 and later, and the iPad Mini 2 or later. Uh, You also have to have the version 8.7.0 of Netflix or later to check that out. So this is a very exciting update for me. I've been kind of waiting for this for a very long time, and I've been using the Amazon Prime video a lot more because it supports picture-in-picture as of late. So I'm uh, glad to finally see this. I don't know what took them so long to get this uh, this uh, picture-in-picture support out, but what is needed, and as you mentioned in the supported device list, you don't need the uh, the two gigs of RAM. Uh, you don't need the Air 2 and the, uh, the iPad Pro to do the picture-in-picture. Uh, that is kind of the limitation of the side-by-side application. So the, 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 you know, the earlier devices can do picture-in-picture, which is very neat. Yeah, I think I said the iPad Air 2. It's the iPad Air and iPad Mini 2 or later are the devices that you need for this. So, yes, um, very exciting there. If it were just, you know, Sling Player, if I can get Sling Player to do this here, I'll be, I'll be a happy camper because I get I've Netflix and now baseball and just need Sling and I'll be all set. Facebook on Tuesday said Facebook Messenger users will once again be able to send SMS messages as long as they're running Android. Essentially, Android users can set Messenger as their default SMS app, which will then route all SMS messages and conversations through Messenger rather than any other SMS apps that may be installed on the device. Messenger used uh, used to support uh, SMS, but Facebook removed the feature in 2012. Uh, Messenger doesn't send uh, upload or store conversations on the servers, but instead uses the standard SMS protocol and not cellular data to send those messages. So sending them via Messenger includes text, picture, videos, and audio snippets, but content such as stickers, emoji, GIFs, and uh, voice and video calls will require the use of Messenger's data functions. Facebook Messenger is free to download from the Google Play Store. Google on Thursday made it easier to view photo albums online and on Android handsets with a new slideshow tool. Photos uh, users can simply open up the album, click on a picture, and select slideshow from the drop-down menu to initiate a slideshow of all photos in that particular album. Slideshows will play back automatically in the browser on Android devices, and users can cast slideshows from a PC or Android phone to a nearby TV. That is free to download from the Google Play Store as well. And finally, Google updated a handful of other applications on the mobile side, adding a Google Calendar Sheets and Now on Tap update for the Android device. Uh, first, Google Calendar made it easy to see which, which when you're free when scheduling a new event. Sheets makes it possible to automatically save spreadsheets locally for offline editing. And the beta version of Now on Tap gains a second row of icons to provide access to a number of Google Actions, such as reminders, creating calendar events, and navigating to or from work. All are free to download, though now on tap version 6 is available only to beta testers running Android 6.0 Marshmallow. And also in Android news this week, I, uh, I, I read that the, the uh, upcoming name of the, of the, the OS, the end name, is going to be Namey McNameface. So I was very, very happy to see that because uh, I, I think that's a perfect name. 
per, yes, I, I well, it was a bus, right? That got named or a ship or something. It was a boat. Yeah, it was a ship. It was a research ship that was a. Uh, uh, the internet had voted and created a name, and it was Bodie McBoatface. And uh, that every time I see that, I just laugh, and I don't know why. It strikes my funny bone. It's amazing. It's you know, someone decided that you know the fact that they were doing a contest to name a boat was obscure and ridiculous enough that you know a ridiculous name had to be created so Bodie McBoatface was there and uh, I, yeah I absolutely love it as well so there you go uh, and other software news Motorola and LG on Monday uh, both said their first generation Android where smart watches won't be updated with the latest uh, version of the wearable platform from Google uh, they were announced just back in 2014 and were among the first smart watches to run Android where uh, Motorola and LG did update their wearables to Android 1.1.2 last year, uh, but that's as far as they will go. Android Wear 2 adds a number of features such as Wi-Fi and cellular connectivity. Uh, Android Wear 2 will be released to the general public later this year. Facebook showed off a new version of its Messenger application, uh, which uh, displays the most recent messages at the top of the screen uh, with a section showing the user's favorites below. Uh, Facebook says the favorite section include friends uh, with whom people converse with the most. They also changed the Active Now section to provide a clearer view of who's online and available for chats. Uh, both of the updates for iTunes or for iPhones and Android devices are free. And Walmart on Thursday launched its mobile payment service, Walmart Pay, at 120 of its stores in Alabama. This service, of course, works, as we've talked about in the past, with both Android and iOS, but rather than using NFC or MST, it uses an application on the user's device, which gets launched, and then they use the camera function of the phone to then scan a code on the register, which activates the transaction and charges a credit or debit card that's stored in the device. Uh, customers will receive an electronic receipt, which is saved in the app, which I guess is kind of nice. But uh, Walmart initially expecting to deploy the technology around the country uh, by mid-year, but Alabama is the first state to deploy statewide. I, I just, I, I don't see this as taking off for them. I, I think they're going to have to make a decision here pretty soon on what technologies they are planning to support. And I hope they choose to do all of the NFC and MST based ones. No kidding, because that's just, uh, that seems so difficult to uh, go through that process. Maybe I'm wrong, but it, it just seems like a lot of work that nobody's going to use. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something that's because it's specific, um, and I'll call it proprietary and not ubiquitous, it's, I don't know, to me, it's lost. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not going to use it. So it, that, I don't, I guess, um, maybe I'm in the minority here, but uh, it, it, I'd rather just pull out a credit card at that point. So there you go. No questions or comments today, but we'd love to hear from you. If you would like to have us answer your question or talk about something that you would like to hear us ramble on about, you can send us email to questions at thecellphonejunkie.com or give us a call to 650-999-0524. We'd love to hear anything that you have to say. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.